Hi everyone, Anne Cross here. Good to be in the Urban Yurt recording another podcast for my series in of conversations in the Urban Yurt around spirituality. And I'm really happy today to have my good friend Philippa King with me, who's going to have a conversation with me. Um, we've been friends for ages and meet in all sorts of different ways in Newham. It's been an absolute pleasure, Philippa, to have your exhibition in the Yurt for the last um, few days. Philippa's brought her exhibition entitled My Life in Sharpie, um, and we've had a display of that, and we had a meeting, and we had um, people gathering here on Saturday to have a look at that. So we'll talk a bit more about that probably during the conversation. Okay. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. And just maybe, just as a way of kind of starting the conversation on spirituality, mm -hmm. um, it would be good to just know a little bit about where you come from, so a little bit about your background and maybe how you were brought up in relation to faith, religion. Oh, that's easy. I was brought up without any faith or religion at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I had an undeniably dramatic conversion experience, you have to call it that, at university in my second year. Mm. Um, so your parents weren't religious at all? They no. had no faith tradition yeah. at all? Didn't. No, Why? although I will say I have um, a godmother, mm. um, my mum's uh, school friend, who was and is Christian. Um, so she used to either give us, or used to give me either really good Christmas and birthday presents or Bibles. So I did have um, that and when I told her when I did become a Christian and she did say, well you know I've prayed for you every day of your life since you were born, don't you? So there, there was, it's not true to say there was none at all, but not in my immediate family. I went to church when it was church parade with the guides and that's about it really. Okay, and then you had a conversion when you were at university? Yeah. Yeah, I went to university. There were lots of Christians around in my house. I used to play loud music to annoy them. Um, yeah, my best friend became a Christian um, one November, and I was quite angry. Didn't talk to her much after that. But yeah, um, a few months later, it, it's a slightly long story, but it's one of those emotional things where it took about a week and really felt yeah so would you like to way. say a little bit about what happened I mean yeah I, one weekend I mean there was a kind of lots of Christian-y stuff going on with people that I knew but yeah one weekend um I think it was a, I came back from a, a party I've been to on Saturday sometime you know Sunday afternoon had a shower I was in my room Sunday evening and some people in the house were going off to church and I just had a mad urge to go with them, not to be with them, but to go to what I imagined church to be like, quiet and peaceful, and to talk to the God that I didn't believe in and connect with this God I didn't believe in. And that was a quite a shocking feeling, and my first thing after that was, well, of course, hmm, couldn't do that, not given the way I spent the weekend, let alone the way I was choosing to live at the time. Um, yeah, that happened to be the start of some mission week. It sounds like a good evangelical story. 
Um, and every day I had a reason not to go. Um, but everything that I did was like got popped up in a textbook and a C&D meeting and whatever. And in the end I did go on a Friday and yeah, it was one of those things where I thought, oh yeah. Things fell into place, took till the end of the weekend, but I, um, yeah, I had a bit of a dramatic turnaround in life. Yeah, so for quite a lot of years after that, I was, um, yeah, trying very hard to be... So did you join a Christian community? Yeah, I went to church, joined the Christian Union, went off to do Christian work, all that stuff. Yeah. Fully, um, for a quite particular a denomination of the of the Christian faith. Um, I ended up in a Baptist church. I went to Anglican, a couple of different different churches, mm. tried different things at university. But the nice church that was quite close to where I, my parents lived was a Baptist church. And having gone there once, um, I just stayed going there. So, would you say that was all a positive experience, a, a kind of a good experience in your life? Yeah, a lot of it. Um, was made um, good friends and it was very good for me um, yeah lots of things about it were good a lot of it maybe was doing what I wanted to do but having a very strong sense of purpose and direction and this is what to do and this is how to do it for me was helpful in lots of ways um, yeah, could easily have gone um, in quite a destructive direction otherwise. Right. It made me feel a lot. So, what I'm better. hearing is that it offered a, a kind of moral framework. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I quite like having instructions. Mm. Um, and a strong sense of community, but a strong sense of purpose. Um, and, yeah. Really, the urge was to to meet and to connect with this what God that appeared to exist, whether I believed or not. Aspects of it considerably less so, but the yeah the God bit, the spiritual bit, mm. um, yeah, was and is great. Even though I may have um, yes maybe stepped out a lot of the of the more institutional aspects of it. And obviously there were things that weren't so great. I mean, um, partly to do with me personally and what I wanted and needed or didn't want and didn't need. Yeah. So the church didn't offer everything that you needed? Well, um, of course not. Maybe I wanted more than there was. But also there was, you know, um, Ooh, so the thing about being gay, that wasn't really a thing that could happen. Mm. A lot of things, um, I'm not in, inclined to pay, or was never inclined to pay much attention to how I felt or what I wanted. I'm quite good at doing what's, you know, what's right and what needs to be done instead of that. And in some ways, um, being within that framework, I mean, it's a good thing, you know, to do um, what's good, but it probably backed up some things about myself that weren't particularly right. helpful because it's much easier, it's quite easy to avoid yourself if there's a, you know, you've got the higher purpose and this to do and 
most yeah. to behave. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be like that, obviously, but for me, that particular, um, you know, activist, I'm good, good activist. Um, I guess I was doing it in a way where it was more about action than contemplation. Right. And I did kind of know, I had got to a point where I, I did, you know, was, was getting to realise that and trying um, different, you know, different styles of prayer, different styles of worship mm. to think mm. what I want isn't, um, yeah. So church was offering you a moral framework which you recognised that you needed and you, you wanted to kind of offer into your life. I wouldn't have said at the time I recognised it, but I did need it. And it was, so yeah, in retrospect. But actually not necessarily encouraging you to really grow and become the person that you were called to be. Um, no, and again that could have been, you know, um, that was a really hard thing to do. It wasn't. I didn't yeah. want to. I don't yeah. think I wanted you were to do young. That. You were still yeah. yeah. I think I like. You know, I like the way Richard Raw, if that's how you say his name, describes things about the first half of life and the second half of life. And there's nothing wrong with spending lots of energy and enthusiasm in, you know, building things and doing mm. things and trying to change the world. I mean, what else are you going to do, really? Mm -hmm. um, and I did. A lot of that was good. But then. Um, I guess I had another spiritual change of direction and I started, um, yeah. Another change of direction further along in your life. Yeah, mid my, I had a really good midlife crisis. Right, tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> um, and okay, it started one good Friday um, when I'd, um, yeah, I went to a church service and even before I got into it I was hoping it wouldn't be terrible and hoping it'd be good but I was kind of mentally metaphorically thinking I need to put all this down this whatever this great big heavy thing that I'm carrying around I'd been busy doing what I did work for a church and I'd behaved really badly at a meeting being really nasty to somebody for no, really no reason it just wasn't being done properly and with me I'd realised I didn't really like the person I'd become, that I was living here in East London, originally came um, with a sense of calling, doing good, thinking, well, I'm just not coping. Do I need to move somewhere where life is easier? What, you know, anyway, it was a really um, good contemplative service with just with things to do. I like things to do. I don't really like singing or listening to it. So there were things where you could, first thing you could do really was put a stone down. Yes, I'll do that. Um, yeah, it was an emotional thing. and um, So this was a Lenten Good Friday It was a Lenten service. thing, yeah. You were invited to put a stone down. On the bottom of the cross and okay. leave things behind. So I thought, yeah, okay. okay. But anyway, there's one part of that. that um, yeah, Jane was there and I had a little cry and a hug from Jane, who I didn't know very well at the time. Jane being someone we both know. a minister at the church. He's a minister, not at that church, but was there. Yeah, so that somehow, I wasn't quite sure what, what happened or how to put it into words, but something happened there and I needed to kind of figure it, start talking about things. But I did kind of know that if I was going to have any honest conversation with God, um, 
then the thing that I didn't, that was kind of under the floorboards knocking, saying, come on, if you're going to be honest, she's going to have to get out, was the fact that, you know, I'm gay, always mm. have been, really. But it wasn't something that was, that is compatible with that being that kind of question. Um, and that would be something I'd have to, I felt I needed to, you know, acknowledge. Um, that really was, in respect, pretty much a first step towards being honest. Um, yeah. So this stone at the foot of the cross was a bit of a marker. It was really, but that was a kind of leave this behind and now what? Um, so yeah, I did a lot of talking through things, which was really helpful. Um, and yeah, it, that's how the process began. But I suppose the other big, you know, probably a year or so after that, uh, maybe more than a year after that, another important step along that journey, I suppose, um, it's in the same church, which I hadn't left, didn't like it, but I still was going to it because how could you leave, really? Um, you know, leave a community that you're part of. Um, so there was, the text for the sermon was the psalm that talks about um, uh, God with a mother, with a, it was about like a, like a weaned child, the psalmist describing himself as being like a weaned child with its mother. And it was one of those things where the person preaching said, oh, what a lovely image of the baby at the breast, not knowing the meaning of the word weaned never having been in the weaning aisle or anything in Tesco, which annoyed me, so I wasn't listening to the rest of it. Um, but at the time I had, I mean, I was thinking about being a, a bullshit toddler, having had an extremely bullshit toddler of my own, because it would have been like three-year-olds at the time, stomping around, but still sometimes after they're fighting with life. My daughter was a big fighter against the reality of life still sometimes exhaustedly you know wanting to oh, curl up it's a lovely image so I was thinking about that and I'd had a background prayer going on since I'd moved house a few months before to a beautiful lovely my dream house it turned out that things happened that I was able to move house to this lovely house and the background prayer was so what do you want from me God which was possibly based on um the assumption that you know something good well what do i need to do what do you want from me and it was just a background prayer every time you know that was in my head every now and then but in that service i got really strongly from my own reflections on being a toddler um the answer to that question was nothing wow yeah it, it was it was scary because okay. it i i worked church for charity did lots of things I suppose I didn't have to do that because part of the thing was not coming out was that I'd probably there was a good chance I would lose one or more of these jobs because there were definitely people who in those organizations who really didn't think that somebody could be a Christian not everybody but some people um and that had been a, a thing so I thought well because I had to do this. These are things I felt like I had to do. But if I didn't have to do these jobs, work really hard all the time, um, what would they be left of my faith? It was pretty much expressed in doing stuff, not 
as much in anything else. So that was that was scary, and I did realise the kind of I guess poverty of um, yeah of my spirituality had become active rather than reflective. But then I thought, well, if I didn't have to do that, uh, if I could do what I want, the, I knew what I would do. I would go home, I would take um, out of the trash folder on my computer an email from City Lit, which is a college where I'd done two printmaking courses, um, one in each of the previous years when my kids had been away at camp for the first and second time. So. And they had sent me an email about their art foundation course, which I'd put in the trash. Um, so I did. I took it out of the trash. I went to the open day, sat listening to the course leader, and I was focusing really hard on the ceiling so I didn't cry, because I thought, I really want to do this. Um, you really want to do it, do or this? you don't really I do. want to do this? I do. Really this do is this. what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, basically. It was a part-time course. Um, what, had no idea how it would work out, if I could do it, anything like that. So, but I did it, and that was a very good decision. So, that that's the, yeah. I guess the proper midlife crisis was coming out as gay, not quite giving up my job, but changing my job quite dramatically and starting to do an art foundation course. And then, not and then I also had cancer, which helps with the midlife crisis in some ways, because. That's an interesting way to put. Well, uh, that's not. That's probably not a good way of saying it. It wasn't. That's, it wasn't diagnosis. It wasn't. You know, it was breast cancer, caught early, surgery, radiotherapy. Yeah. It was. You know, one of the more curable kinds. Yeah, my first fiftieth birthday mammogram. And had it happened, I guess earlier, it may have thrown me more. But mm. the fact I'd started the process of not being all about what I was achieving um, made it less bad but it does of course it stops you in your tracks so an awful lot happening a lot happens coming yeah. out ah. as gay um, starting an art foundation course having a diagnosis of cancer yeah. a huge amount yes. so how did this sit with your relationship with God who you'd been asking for some time, what do you want of me? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did stop going to church, which was a really, really good decision. Um, probably should have done it sooner. Um, and so you stopped going to the church community. Yes. Did your faith stop? Did you no, stop the expression of spirituality? Well, no, because or how did, how did that change? By then, the thing had started. Um, so the thing is, uh, <laughs> uh, is a house group of disaffiliated Christians. Yeah, people. F yeah, mm. people who, for one reason or another, find church difficult. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some right. still go, even though it's difficult. Some don't. Mm. Um, whatever. That had started. That was a good thing. So, could you say a little bit about the art and? Um, yeah, I uh, thought this is what we we're going to be talking yes. about. Let's let's get to the, the let's get to the well, nub of it. Then. Let's having, talk about your art and how you see your art in relation to your spirituality. Okay. Um, 
it's I, I don't know. I, spirituality is a hard thing to define, and as in God is an impossible thing to define. But the whole process of being truthful with myself about myself, about paying attention to myself, um, which I never really did, and it was a long and difficult process. Um, I'm not really good with words, and I'm definitely not good at talking about feelings. But um, so I, art, you've got to, um, whatever you're doing, making, drawing, has to come from yourself. And I quickly, I mean, apart from quickly finding out that obviously I loved everything about it, um, turned out to be the way, I mean, I I guess I knew this anyway, because I'd just done it for my own needs occasionally you know I had to just draw things but I find that making things drawing things creating things it, it's it's a art is a way of exploring the things that I need to explore but I'm not going to do it through you know talking I can't even think about it so yeah um yeah so you did printmaking first, and I think as part of your course, it was a foundation oh, course, so you did yeah. lots of different yeah, sculpture. Finding, and, and I found that I liked making things in 3D. Mm. Um, I knew that I liked drawing anyway. Mm. Carried on. Mm. Yeah, I carried on enjoying um, printmaking as well. And photography turned out that, um, yeah, I compulsively take photos. And I've, yeah, taken exhibited a couple of sets of photos as well yeah so I mean I heard I'm interested you said that you can explore things through art Mm. which you can't speak about you can't even think about Mm -hmm. so there's somehow the creativity is moving through you and through your hands I don't know without without going through your thought process um, I don't know how it works, but it's obviously thinking about you know the area that I'm wanting to explore. So in gathering materials and choosing things and putting them together in certain ways, mm. but and and trying things out and then deciding okay that's going to be the finished mm. thing. But a lot of it is, I mean, some of it is instinct and trial and error. What I mean is that I. You know, the finished project, um, a project, something that whatever, what it's what it's result in when I've made it. I've really, it's been something personal and emotional, and I look at it and think, oh my goodness, is that what's going on with me? Right. Oh, yeah, I guess it's it's still true that I don't particularly allow myself a whole lot of, ah, oh, you know, serious emotions, but. Um, I have ended up putting them on the wall for all kinds of people to look at. That sounds strange. It doesn't sound strange at all. It sounds very beautiful. It sounds like an amazing exercise. Yeah, and I have made things that, you know, are important to me, objects that I've needed at at a certain time, that I have, um, yeah, that have been important, that I've used... So, so would you like to talk good. a little bit about your work that we have up here in the yurt? <laughs> my, my calendars. Life, my life in Sharpie. Okay. 
So it's a little exhibition of six panels and on most of the panels are six months worth of drawings. Um, it's my Essentially, it's my calendars for the last three years, 2015, 2016, 2017. So as part of my practice, um, at the end of each day, I draw on the little rectangle or square of a calendar, just the normal A4 appointment calendars, like you might get free at Sainsbury's. Um, so it's a way of thinking, reflecting through my day um, and drawing something. Some people will journal and do other things. Some people blog, but I can, I'm not that good at doing things regularly, you know, in terms of finding uh, practice or a discipline that works. But a little tiny square and a packet of Sharpies, I, 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 I love drawing, I think quite visually, I can do that. Um, yeah, and I've, I've kept doing it, I still do it, so I, yeah, I like it, it helps me. Um, and I, again, this isn't something that I did thinking it's really personal, why am I exhibiting it? I only did it for myself, that it's a process that's important. But yeah, when you put them all together, um, they look, well, they look colorful um, because they're in felt tip pen. And they look, yeah, they do look interesting. And my hope is that most people who look at them don't know me well enough to know what's going on. They are so beautiful, they are so colourful, and each little square is intriguing. And yes, when, when I first looked at it, I found myself thinking, oh, I feel a bit of an intruder here on Philippa's okay. life. And then, after a minute, I kind of forgot that they were yours. Okay. And found little drawings or little images that actually resonated with me ah, and I good. found it quite a reflective practice for myself okay so I think um, yeah I think it, they're very beautiful um, and yeah very helpful <laughs> and yes you led uh, um, a workshop on Saturday yes. leading us yeah. um, and in enabling us to do little drawings for myself for yeah. ourselves and of course I started with the well I can't draw mm -hmm. everyone um, can draw anyone can draw I would say anyone can sing mm -hmm. you say anyone can draw um, <laughs> and uh, yeah the drawing lost its importance yeah. for the for the the meaning or the feeling yeah. that was yeah. actually exactly flowing through and onto the paper yeah, yeah you weren't being self-conscious about oh, this is rubbish you were just trying to get down what you're trying to get down mm. yeah that's what this is about and sometimes they you know I can think, mm, that turns out nice beautiful drawing sometimes not sometimes it's really simple but it is about the process and sometimes the things that I've done have led into it or eventually turned into be be relevant to bigger mm. projects because I'm doing what's on my you know mm. my mind heart whatever and that's maybe something I'm going to do mm. um, look at mm. you called it your work. practice would you call it your spiritual practice 
Would you um, call it prayer? Yes, I would. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I made it into an exhibition and did the workshop for Greenbelt this year mm. because that, that was the thing that made me do it because, um, you know, Greenbelt is... Greenbelt is a Christian It's a Christian festival, festival mm-hmm. that's very much about art, faith and justice. And this, I think it was, it was in the art school, but it could have been in a, could have been in the worship prayer section as well, I think, because I think it's both. It's, I don't know, it's hard to divide things up. It's about me being a human being and finding what I need to do for myself. Um, and yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, so, so you asked God, what do you want me to do? And God said nothing, and you ended up doing what you yeah. felt called to do. Yeah, what I really wanted to do, okay. what I really, really want to do. Turns out that's that's the thing. That's yeah. Okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. People now think would say, but that's so much part of who you are. Yes, it really is, but not. Um, yeah, I guess not focusing on that for a long long time um i think being more who you are is like being more spiritual surely. i'm not sure how you divide these things up do you i love that yeah you know because it is about being more honest and more truthful and reflective and trying to, to connect with with god but also to pay attention to myself as well and yeah the reflecting through drawing or like any kind of reflection I think people might do it is just to pause for a little bit at the end of the day when you could already be making a to-do list for tomorrow everything's so busy but just to stop and notice I think both you know what happens and Mm. who you might have bumped into that might have been important or just what's going on with myself so (coughs) very much that's relevant very much a personal, individual practice yes. that you have brought out and shared in the community. Yeah, again, because I thought it might... Greenbelt, if anywhere, is where people would might like it. Because I know you go and you have a really fantastic and challenging and inspiring weekend. But I want to bring home a, you know, a prayer book or a poetry book or something that will, you know, help me sustain some kind of um, practice during the year to pay attention mm. to what's going on and not just get swept up in mm. the business of life. And Greenbelt's full of creative people who might yeah, might find this useful. I don't know. Beautiful, I'm sure they will. Thank <laughs> you. Um, can I just ask you, I know that you've just started your MA yes. at the CAS school. It's CAS school. So I'm doing what's called MA by project, um, which is a research MA, but this is um, researching you know, in the through art. So the to do this, you start off with yeah a question, just an individual question that you think an area you want to pursue. And I know this is going to get decidedly narrowed down and focused into actually an MA at some point, but we've got a year to do that. Um, generally, what I want to do for myself is to find some or make images of God that are female 
at least not male, but probably female. And using gods as a kind of non-gender term rather than... Right. If you say goddess, people think god is like the gods, creator, sustainer. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be male, although it is in everyone's heads. Mm. Whereas a goddess is somebody else. Mm. No, no, it's the one god slash goddess. So, um, feminine images of God. Yeah, because God is spirit, neither male nor female. Men, women equally created in God's image. But you'd never know that, would you, for all the words and pictures used to describe God throughout. I've had interesting days at the British Museum drawing um, Hindu deities and Egyptian deities, even Aphrodite, before she became a goddess of love was far more warlike. There have been, obviously, um, female deities throughout history, and that's that's definitely part of the research. But I'm probably am going to have to frame it within the Western Judeo-Christian tradition that's mine because you know, I I'm speaking for myself. You know, in this conversation that we're having in the world about um, women and objectification and how to be a good, strong female character. What does it look like? Um, I think I can only contribute to that conversation in an authentic way if it's from coming from where I am. Not without being aware of other people's, mm. you know, people with different faith backgrounds, points of view. But that's the tradition I'm, I'm in. That's the one that, you know, that bothers me. Mm. And a lot of other people, obviously. But I wouldn't. I couldn't speak for Hindu women, could I? I guess we can only ever really speak for ourselves. Yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So a fascinating, fascinating project. Um, so at the end of two years, two busy perhaps years. we'll have another exhibition in the yurt. Oh, I think before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My limited unding, understanding so far about research, how to do research and art. Well, one thing is to to show what you what I produce to other people and get their feedback, see what mm. they think of my plans. Great, I really look forward to it. Thank you. Um, maybe just as a final question, we're living in a time of, it feels like crisis, it feels mm. like very chaotic times. Where do you find hope? Because I, I have a sense that there's, there's a lot of kind yeah. of hope in your life there's a lot of joy in yes. your life that you've discovered mm-hmm. through your art and through different things long-term hope long-term hope is is i'm i'm still with the belief that good will triumph over evil mm-hmm. in the long run however long mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. and i think you can't give up on that because if it doesn't look like that's happening at the moment which it doesn't and it isn't um then there's effort to be made in whatever ways those are. Mm. In, obviously, in political ways, in protesting ways, in prayerful, spiritual ways, because I think the evil that's in the world is definitely, you know, of course it's a spiritual evil as well as a other kind of evil. And, yeah, all the artists, all the artists doing all their things to tap into the... Art has a place in in activism. Of course, yeah, absolutely, because it's yeah, um, because it's really important. Another thing, I think, the connection between people is really important. When things are so horrible, 
one thing that seems noticeable is the strength of community between people who are united in their horror at what's going on and finding you know creative ways to express that and to protest and to just keep doing good things and connecting things and loving mm. things in small ways that mm. join up mm. and that makes a real that's a difference to people's lives even though the big arguing things need to be done as well I think everyone does what they have to do mm. um, so art connects yeah I think builds community yeah protests yeah I think so it, if it helps if you believe it's an important part of people's humanity, obviously that sets you against a whole lot of um, the people who are in charge at the moment. And yeah, I think it's I think it's important. So you're bringing, as an artist, you're bringing hope to the world. I don't know about that. Um, I'm yeah. Don't know. The next thing I'm. I can tell you that what I've got to do next. Um, what I, I mean, really, <laughs> tomorrow I, I'm feeling a strong urge to make an oil painting. Yeah, you know all the horror last week of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Um, it's the women in the lifts. That there are so many scenes that were that were biblical. Weren't they? they looked like they could have been in a like a Last Supper ones almost with all the people. And those who were in the lift, they looked like they should be painted like those Bible stories, oil paintings that are hanging on galleries. I think they need to be immortalised. Um, whether it's an oil painting or an etching or something really permanent and religious looking. Wow. That's my next thing to do. Wow. Whatever I, I'm supposed to be doing, I'm, I can't do it till I do that. Right. It, needs to, it needs to be expressed, it yeah. needs to come through. And yeah, they're gorgeous. important. Philippa, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming along and well, uh, sharing with us thank today. Thank you for inviting really me to talk to you. Really good to hear from you. Great. And thank you for allowing us to have this exhibition oh, thank in you for the your yurt. beautiful yurt venue, the perfect <laughs> place for it. Well, thank you, Philippa, for a great conversation. Really good to talk to you in the yurt and also to have your art exhibition. Look forward to having some more of Philippa's art in the yurt in the weeks and months to come. But do check out her Instagram account on philippa.king uh, if you'd like to see some more of her art. And do subscribe to my podcast so that you will be alerted to future conversations we have here in the urban yurt. Thanks for listening today and bye for now.